Our text is Psalms 22, but you may want to put a finger in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as well because I'll be trying to hit both of those areas today. But Psalms 22 will be our beginning part, and I want to thank uh, Kay Mills and Stephanie Cumby. I guess they worked together on getting these um, vases up here, the decorations that you see. I guess it's always good to have a vase if you have a bloom in the pulpit. <laughs> All right. That's corny. Yeah, I know. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, I do appreciate it. It does look nice. I appreciate them doing that. Um, the title of the sermon, of course, is The Man Christ Jesus, Part 8. We've been doing a series on Psalm 22, and this is going to be the last sermon in the series. And you might say this is the culmination. If you missed the first eight sermons, you can always go to our website and listen to it, okay? Uh, we have all eight sermons on the centralbaptistocala.org website as well as, central, uh, as, well as sermonaudio.com slash centralbaptist. So either one of those, you can get all those sermons on it if you would listen to it. Uh, in preaching these previous eight sermons, the man Christ Jesus, title comes from the book of 1 Timothy, where he is called the man Christ Jesus. But you need to understand that Jesus was from eternity past. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying just before the soldiers will come to get him to take him to, the, uh, to, to Herod, uh, excuse me, not to Herod, but to uh, the high priest's uh, quarters, and they will judge him there and then send him on to Pilate. But at that time, they're coming to get him to take him off, that he might be arrested and crucified. And so this is his prayer. He knows they are on the way, although the apostles with him doesn't know, but he does his high priestly prayer. Uh, we used to hear the Lord's Prayer, or this, and that, that really is what the Lord taught the disciples to pray, not, uh, it wasn't the Lord's Prayer for Himself, it was the Lord's Prayer for us. But this is the Lord's Prayer, and you see in John chapter 17, verse 5, one of those statements in His prayer, <clears throat> as we see Him praying this great truth, and He says, And now, Father, glorify Thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was formed. Wow. Before the world was. In other words, he existed in eternity past. In Psalms chapter 90, verses 1 and 2, uh, we read this. Uh, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, forever Thou hast formed the earth and the world. It's not just Genesis 1 and 2 that tells us about creation. It's throughout the Bible, by the way. And that is a fact. God created the heavens and the earth. 
But he says, even from everlasting to everlasting, there in uh, Psalms 90, thou art God. Now, Jesus was there for that. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In John chapter 1, verse 9, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him. And the world knew Him not. Then you get down to verse 14, and he says, And the Word, remember the Word was God? The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Yes, Jesus was God ever before the worlds were created, dwelling with the Father, His Son. In Psalms 22, we have a prophecy that was written 1,000 years before the cross in very accurate detail, which is confirmed when you read the New Testament gospel accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll find references that go back to Psalms 22 and all those places. The amazing thing is this kind of execution in which they nailed the victim with metal nails to a cross was not in use a thousand years earlier. Metal nails and, and, and what took place there, the spikes and metal spikes and that, that came along later. Crucifixion as a form come along later. And yet it is given in detail here as well as in Psalm uh, chapter 53, but it's given in detail, written, Therefore, a thousand years earlier, the cross was told all about. Now, you think of that. Could you sit down today and just make specific prophecies that will actually come true in 1,000 years? So well, that'd be easy. The millennium would be taking place probably by then. And yet, would you be, be able to be as specific? No. No. That's something only God can do. The Bible tells us in John chapter 4 and verse 24 that God is a spirit. So when God said, let us create man in our image, he was talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, not angels. Angels were ministering spirits, but man was not created in their image. But God is a spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And therefore, we were not created in the image of angels. God's spirit lives forever. Man's spirit will also live forever. But there's one thing about us. Man is a spirit with a soul and a body. 
In the day ye eat thereof, you shall surely die. That very day, Adam died. He said, no, he didn't. He lived over 900 years more. No, in the day that he ate thereof, the word death means separation. He was separated from God forever. The only way that could be taken care of is if somebody would pay the debt. And Jesus paid it all. But he became a man to do that. Even before the worlds were created, as we told you earlier, he created the heavens and the earth. But he existed as the Son of God in spirit. It wasn't until later that he would be formed in the womb of Mary by the Father throughout that entire nine-month period until he would be born and drawn from the womb by the Father. But understand, he became the only begotten physical son in Bethlehem 2,000 years, but he was always the son of God throughout eternity past. But we also understand that he did this that we might have eternal life. Now you say, well, wait a minute. Were we created in God's image? Yes, we were. Isn't God a spirit? Yes. So we were created with a spirit that has a soul and a body. But that spirit will live forever. Remember what the Lord said about those ministering spirits, Satan and his angels? He said that hell was created for the devil and his angels. Uh, that was not created to be a place of recreation for them. That was eternal torment and punishment for them. We were not created in their image. Satan, in his jealousy of man, tempted man to fall. And he got what God had originally designed for man to have rule over everything. Over spirits, over, over the birds of the air, over the everything, over this earth. God made the earth for man. He made man for himself. But when man sinned by that free will, having a spirit made like unto God, who is a free will, man chose to sin. And by Satan's deceit, he inherited what man had. Now, we could do an entire sermon on that. I'm not going to go into that at this point. But Jesus, when he did take on a body, remained in a human body. Even after his resurrection, he had a human body, and he'll be that way with, throughout all eternity. Why is that? Because we are going to be a joint heir with Jesus Christ if you're saved. If you've received him as your Savior, then you will be a joint heir with God. And you'll have everlasting life. Now, I want to say this about life. If you live forever, whether you're in heaven or hell, is that life? No. Have you ever 
gone somewhere, maybe on a vacation, and a nice place. I mean, it's really nice. And you sit there, and there's a nice bright sunshine out there, and there's a nice breeze blowing. And the beauty of all the greenery and that which is in bloom, and you're just enjoying it. You've got this great lazy chair that you're laying on, sitting on, and looking out and seeing everything, and boy, this is great. And you say, perhaps your wife is there with you, your husband, you say, this is the life. Okay. You don't mean living as being alive. You mean, boy, this is the life. That's the way I'd like to have it all the time. Well, in hell, there's no ceasing to exist. They're tormented day and night forever and ever. They exist forever, but it's not called life. In heaven, that's everlasting life. Not just alive, life. There can be no place better than heaven. But how do we get there? Well, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. 1 John 2, 2 says that he is the propitiation for our sins, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Think of that. The whole world. In other words, whosoever will may come. That was his promise back 2,000 years ago. Why? Because the debt has been paid. But it's up to us to receive the payment for that debt. Stories told of back in the days uh, of early America. America had been fighting for its independence and won. There was a man that had uh, pretty well wrote, worked against America and done some crimes that were terrible, and he was found worthy to die and to be hung. But great friends of his and appealed to a governor, and the governor appealed to George Washington, who was a friend. And Washington wrote a pardon. They brought the pardon to the prison, and they delivered it to the man in prison. The president has pardoned you. I'm not going to take it. He rejected it. They even went back through the, to the Supreme Court with that can a man reject it? Yes, he can. The president has the power to give the pardon. But the man has the will to reject it. He rejected it, and he died for his crimes. To reject the free offer of God of salvation... is by your own self-will to spend eternity in a lake of fire, tormented day and night, forever and ever. Yes, we go to our text this morning, and I want us to consider some verses here. In verses 27 through 29, because whereas in verses 1 through 21 we see all the sufferings of Jesus. All that were predicted and he suffered. Verses 27 through 29 seem to be somewhat of a victory lap. And so we will look at that, but let's have a word of prayer first. Now, Father, 
We gave a lengthy introduction to bring us to this point, to look at the benefits of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The man Christ Jesus in what he did for us by not only dying for our sin, paying our penalty, but raising from the dead. Oh Lord, as I said earlier, I pray that this will not just be a cold fact that doesn't stir our hearts anymore. We believe it, but it just doesn't stir our hearts. Lord, forgive us. Make us ashamed that that would no longer stir our hearts. I thank you that every Sunday represents the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the first day of the week. What a joy it is to be in your house as a result. And may we never forsake it. Again, if there's one here that does not know if they die today, that heaven's their home. May they come to know thee as Savior. Lord, I know I've already prayed, but it's so important that we have your presence and your power. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. In verse 27 here, Psalms 22, it says, All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. Yes, Jesus is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. All the nations will come into that glorious city that is descending from God out of heaven. As a matter of fact, Revelation chapter 21, verses 24, uh, 24 says this, And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. You see, the light of that city is going to be seven times brighter than the sun, but not hotter than the sun because it's not going to try to fry people. It's going to lighten to see the greatness of the beauty of heaven. And the kings of the earth do also bring their glory and honor into it. Yes, they will come and they will bow unto the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Psalms twenty-two twenty-eight, he says, For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. Yes, he is risen. But then also, understand this. The apostles back in that day, when, when, when the ladies came and told them, Hey, he, he's risen from the dead. Mary Magdalene came and said, he's risen from the dead. There were two men that were on the road to uh, Emmaus. They had to come back and say, he's risen. They still didn't believe. You say, yeah, those guys are so hard, weren't they? Well, you just imagine, when you see the descriptions of the cross, the execution, and knowing that Jesus Christ, although he was the Son of God, was fully man, to see how he suffered, to see those bones out of joint, to see everything. You wonder, how could he raise from the dead? The apostles did not believe it until he actually appeared, and he had to rebuke them for their lack of faith. And then Thomas, even though the apostles had seen him and not him, had to be rebuked by the Lord as well. But he is risen. That's why Romans 10, 9 says that thou shalt confess with thy mouth 
the Lord Jesus. Lord speaks of his deity. Jesus speaks of his humanity. He was the God-man. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. That is the righteousness of Christ in my place. And with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Yes, he did that for us. And then in verse 29 of Psalms 22, All they that be fat upon the earth. Uh, well, <clears throat> I won't make any jokes on that, but that speaks also well to do. Okay. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. See, on this earth, men say things against God. They even have government now trying to make things against God. As a matter of fact, they even in this country want us not to preach about the different things uh, the Bible says about homosexuality, about gender, and all these other things that go on that are wrong. But that doesn't mean we should stop preaching it. Why? Because we find out in Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, about Jesus Christ, and it says, And being found and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things on earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, even Satan, all the minions of hell, all those that died without Christ and went to hell, they may be cursing him right now. But one day they will bow the knee and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Just like the cross was promised 20, uh, in Psalms 22, promised 1,000 years ahead of time, this also is told ahead of time, and it's going to be just as real, and it's going to happen. What a fool to not be sure if you die today that you would go to heaven. Rather, you might end up in that eternal lake of fire where there is no ceasing to exist, no escape, tormented day and night forever and ever. How foolish to worry about what others will think if you say, well, they all thought I was saved. I really wasn't. How foolish to think, well, I don't want my friends to think this about me. He's all of a sudden religious. Now, you don't become all of a sudden religious. You become all of a sudden saved when he saves you. But regardless of your sin, regardless of how much and how bad or how often, whatever, whatever it is, whatever it may be, Jesus paid it all. On the cross, he paid. You can be saved, and whosoever will can be saved. 
saved from your sins, saved from his power. If you'll come to him and let him be your Lord and God, he must be your Savior. It's like marriage. You're turning to him. You're turning from all others to him. In other words, you're turning from yourself. You're turning from the opinion of man. You're turning to him. Because that's where real life and real depth and real meaning is. Now the next passage I want you to turn to quickly is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 12 through 23. And there we read this, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? He became a man in order to pay the penalty for our sins. The resurrection of what he did does not pay for our sin if he does not resurrect. In other words, what he did, the result of what he did, is found in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I am he, Jesus says, that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. I text that verse to someone this morning in another state. He said, well, if you have the keys, you're in control. Amen. The only way you're going to escape the eternal lake of fire is through Jesus Christ. He has the keys of hell and of death. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22, uh, 21, 22, last part of verse 21 and 22. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities, and powers, speaking of spirits there, being made subject to him. Those spirits, angels, fallen spirits, they are subject to Jesus Christ in his humanity. That's why one day when we're raised to be with him, and we'll rule and reign with Christ. You know what the Bible says? It says, we shall judge angels. What we lost in Satan, if the sin, should I say, when Satan tempted man and gained that power, he's able to tell Jesus, hey, it's in my power now to give you all the kingdoms of the earth. And Jesus set him in his place in a hurry. But it was in his power at that time. But now, Jesus in his humanity has gained that power. When we rule and reign with him, we shall judge angels. Not saying, ah, that wasn't good, that was bad. No, it's the idea of they will be in subjection to us at that time as well. Yet only under the direction of our Lord. Verse 13 here, 1 Corinthians 15, but there be, if there be no resurrection of the dead, then 
is Christ not risen? Why? Because he became a human. Yet, Christ is risen because there were about 500 witnesses. As we read in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 7, it says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas. Then of the twelve, after that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some are fallen asleep. <laughs> when this was written, and the Corinthians read that, do you realize that they had almost 500 people still living that could tell them, oh yeah, I saw him. It was well confirmed. In verse 14, he says, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith also is vain. In other words, your being here this morning, any sense of morality that you have, whatever of right and wrong, is vain if there is no resurrection. My friend, just understand the decision to receive Christ as Savior is an act of vanity if there was no resurrection. The cross was so very important to pay for our sin, to pay the penalty. But the resurrection is just as important. To give our life to Him would be a waste if there was no resurrection. In verse 15, Yea, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up if so be that the dead rise not. Well, he had to be fully human and able to die and to be our substitute. But, he must also resurrect. So verse 16 says, For if the dead rise not, then is, Christ, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Other words, you're still without forgiveness. And you die unforgiven if there is no resurrection. Verse 18, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. There's no hope If you had a baby, you had a son, a daughter that died, you had a spouse, a parent, who named the name of Christ, who was in Jesus Christ, 
if they died and there's no resurrection, then there's no comfort whatever because it's a wasted thing. It's just a fairy tale. If Christ is not risen from the dead, but my friend, he has risen and you will see them again. That's the promise of it all. This is why verse 19 states, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep? You see, that loved one who died in Christ is now very conscious, very conscious in a spirit, clothed in a spiritual body that 1 Corinthians 15 will also address early, uh, later in the chapter. Very conscious. Knowing what's going on. But in heaven. Let me just kind of close this up by reading verses 51 and following. Because this is what you and I are looking for. If we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, then we're looking for this. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Just think of that. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. Sin is what separated us from God. Sin is what took us from a perfect creation. and led to what we have today of people dying, children dying, hatred, and everything else that goes with it that you can imagine that's evil. And so the strength of sin is the law. The Bible tells us what is sin. And sin, there's a witness. It says, yes, this is what sin is. The Bible was written to let us know. It lets us know. So, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Because when this life ends and you're put in a grave, if you did not receive Christ, the grave has a victory. You're eternal, eternally in a lake of fire. You're in hell not able to cease to exist. But that's why the resurrection was so important. Yes, 
The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, how do you know? God doesn't lie. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. Oh, my friend, listen. In Jesus Christ, we have a sure hope. Titus tells us it's a sure hope. Uh, Hebrews tells us steadfast and sure. Titus tells us it's a blessed hope. Either way, in Christ it's going to happen. We too shall resurrect in Christ. You know, he could have at any moment decided, I am not going to do this. He called 12 legions of angels, the Bible tells us. But his love for us in our filthy, low-down, sinful selves, that inner man, that man that one day the hidden things of darkness will be revealed, that sin is paid for, and he died for us. He rose from the dead. Now the most foolish thing that you could do would to have doubt in your heart about, am I truly saved? Yeah, I've been in church services where people come forward about five different times and got saved all over again. Well, that's not salvation. That's giving in to the, what the doubts the devil tries to cause. But if you take God at his word, and you'll give him your heart and life today. He'll save you. He'll save you. You'll have everlasting life. And the remaining years that you have on this earth can be spent serving him. And bringing glory to his name. That you might not be ashamed at his appearing. Yes, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. Will you see him? Do you know if you died today that heaven's your home? If not, why not let it be today that you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? Let's bow our heads, please.